the day I was going to get sentenced, my um, I was sitting there and I come out of the um, I was ready, I was ready to go, and I had Adidas trackies on, had a Nike shirt, had a shaved head. I really did not care. I knew I was going to jail, and then um, I'd come out, and as I'd come out, Dad had seen me, and I was dressed in like this. So what? Let's go, going to court, and he just got me. Bang. G'day, g'day, welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. Of course, it is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. You can call me Brad. It's a pleasure to be here because we've been teeing this one up for a little while. This guy I have had the pleasure of getting to know over the course of a few years around the Wollongong area. He's a boy that, man, he loves the gong just as much as I do. He lives that <laughs> lifestyle and He's got an incredible story, a story that I connected with and really resonated with, not because our stories are similar, but there are similar notes of adversity, overcoming it, building character and getting the best out of tough situations. And that's what I absolutely love to see. It inspires the hell out of me. And it's my absolute pleasure to introduce to you and share conversation with today, the man that is the myth, the legend, (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it is the one, the only, Mr. James Storer. How are you, brother? Uh, good, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure <laughs> to have you here. It's a cool intro. Thanks, brother. I'll... Pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. It's so good to have you here because, you know, we connected like first, like we knew of each other and would see each other around town, but it was after I had a very good friend of yours, Aloni Vinikiti, on yeah. the podcast, and he and I spoke, and then sort of after that, I'd gone, oh, far out, Lonnie's mates with, with James and we started to connect and bumped into each other down the beach, I remember, and you're always down there on your board with your Frenchie. <laughs> yeah, that little punish. <laughs> little punish, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. yeah. They love to test you, but you love them. Yep. So I want to talk today about your story. You've got an unbelievable story from the beginning to where you are now, which is far from the end. There's so much good that's still going to happen. And brother, let's just chat about it all, like your background, Fijian and and Aboriginal, you've got connection to First Nation people, which I love, and that's something we've discovered in our family the last yeah. couple of years, which has been a real blessing and, and a journey that I still need to go on, like still need to learn a lot about that, but your culture is a big part of makes you who you are. Talk to us about where that develops and where it comes from. Uh, yeah, my, my father, he's Fijian. Um, he was born in, raised in Fiji, and he, he, him and my Uncle Henry, they both come to Australia, um, I think they might have been about 12 years old when they um, come over here with my grandmother, get him out of that sort of life and got him into it. And it was actually quite funny because when my father was in Fiji, he was like, um, they're very religious, I guess, in a sense, over there. Um, yeah. Is that a heavy Christian background? Yeah, it's a Methodist, Christian, yeah. yep, in Fiji, a lot of that. And um, yeah, so he was sort of... I guess when he was younger, they were into a lot of church and he was up in the mountains all the time. And, and then my father, when he sort of moved here to Australia, as a lot of Fijians would usually find, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of temptation. Mm. And when you sort of come from the bush and come from the village, it's easy to get caught up into it. Yeah. And yeah, so my father, he ended up, um, he started, uh, I guess, they were living in Cronulla and he started sort of marking up, I think, around 12, 13, when he'd come over and he'd sort of, and then he'd, he'd started, he'd met, I think, one of my uncles. 
Yeah. And because my father was dark, he ended up getting around all these Koori boys and my yeah. uncles and that. And then I, then he, I think he ended up staying in a, like an indigenous Koori sort of hostel. I think he was kicked out of home and, you know, back and yeah. forth because he was, he, was, he was mucking up a little bit. And, um, yeah, then he ended up going with my uncle down to Mogo. And that's okay. where that's where we so that's how my father had met my mum and he'd gone there to meet all the family and the whole tribe, you know, and and So mum's the Aboriginal yeah, background. So mum's Aboriginal and that's when his dad had gone down and he'd sort of met my mum and then that's when I guess we were sort of <laughs> come about. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um And so you spent the first few years of your life down Mogo, didn't you? Yeah, yep. So yeah, a lot of my a lot of the childhood, yeah. So my Uncle, who was he was actually he was a he was in he, he did a lot of films and that and he was in the film industry. Okay. Yeah, so he was in Two Hands and um, another there was another one called The Tinderbine. Yeah. Um, Kevin Smith, his name is. Yeah, okay. he was he was he was our at the time he was our big actor. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so is he he's still a, around today. No, nah, Uncle Kevin passed away. Oh, there was a few nah, so there's a few um, things there, I guess. So. Um, yeah, so dad had, anyway, gone down there and met mum and then sort of, I think, then we'd come along, me and my little sister at the time, um, and I guess that's where we'd sort of gone from, and then dad was sort of back and forth, back and forth from the coast, um, and I guess that's when dad had come up here and he would, um, yeah, he'd, he'd gotten into a bit of trouble and he'd sort of got in with the wrong crowds and he was locked up for a bit so when he was locked up we were down there with the in the I guess in that environment yeah and then so that's where I sort of would try and make it or try and make it is a bit quicker so we'd go from um there dad's locked up we'll be there and then um, I think it was one time there dad had um another time dad had gotten out come down and then then my little sister, we would go to um, up to Sydney, and Dad was still mucking around, you know. I guess in a bit of yeah. the, the gang life, and um, it wasn't until we sort of one day with Mum, we'd got a Dad was gone. Um, I don't know. I think he might have, he could have been locked up, and then Mum had a had a bang on the door, and and Mum had come out, and there was a few um, two very very big men at the mm. door. Um, I think they were looking looking for dad and um, they they had like sort of accents. Mum just remembers, mum always says, yeah, they had accents and they were, they were, then they come and they couldn't find dad and the first thing they looked at, they looked at me and my sister and I think they had ideas of maybe trying to take us as, from that age to try and get to my father. Mm. And then mum just, she said, she just started screaming the mm. top of her lungs and then she had just, got us and we just ran and then we'd run away from the city and my mum we never went mum never wanted to go back to yeah to that and then I think dad had gotten you know out and whatever and whatever they did up there and so how, we were, how we were almost at that time so I, I think mum so I think we would have been about maybe four four or five years old Fire out. yeah so we were almost almost kidnapped at a <laughs> real young age. age yeah so then we've gone from there and then we've gone back and then I think you know and then Back to it, the trouble with down home with all the ind- living in that indigenous side, it's you grow up with, um, I guess, with the alcohol, mm. and that's where, that's when, I guess you know, I don't know, sort of mum started going a bit that way again, started to drink, and there was a lot more drinking involved, and and then um, yeah, to 
dad was locked up and I remember I started a little, I started my own little, I think I might have been about eight or nine years old then and I'd started my own little business down there. Yeah, um, wow, that was Yes, I was in bloody diving in the, um, in the, all the golf courses down there, yeah. getting all golf balls and I had a little thing running myself and then it, it's pretty funny, it's, well, it's kind of a little bit crazy I guess because sort of at that young age to have a bit of an understanding of like um, to go out and to try and get money to try and um, to get bread and milk, you know, like builds character. It's like yeah, and I, and and I think when I used to do this and I had all the golf balls and then I used to have boils all over my legs because I was always in the dams mm. getting getting the golf balls. So I had infections all the time and and um, yeah. So then I'd get my little golf balls and go home clean them up and then I had all these old fellas around the town that I'd walk around and sell my golf balls and any of the money I'd get I'd go down and I used to go down and buy bread, buy, buy milk and then there was a butcher shop, I'd go to a butcher and the old butcher there, he knew who dad was and he was mates with dad so he would be like, I don't even know how much I was giving him at the time but he would always give us, he'd just take whatever yeah. and then he would give us that and then, um, so that was one of my little things and then I guess my other little thing, I had a, um, I used to ride down to the wharfs at yeah. three o'clock in the morning and wait for the trawlers to come in and then about, well they'd been actually they'd been around six or whatever time they used to get in and then they used to give us and I used to take a little my little fishing rod I had you know bits of bread or whatever and I used to go down and I'd wait for the um for the trawls to come in and then they'd come in and then they'd give us you know I'd take any fish that they didn't want yeah so then I used to get the fish and then I'd go home and I'd tell mum you know that I'd caught this deep sea fish. <laughs> I didn't catch none of them. You know? I was just waiting you? for the. I think. Oh well. I guess the other. I guess some of the other uncles would have known. You know, yeah. like because I guess um, they could see that it, these fish are like deep sea. This isn't at the the jetty where I was. Yeah. Got, where I was riding my bike to. You know, so I'd had. Um, yeah, so I'd had had these little bits of. I had fish in that that I'd come home and and I think I feel you know like some of my like I guess the uncles and that I, I feel that. Some of them used to look at me because I was, I was a young man at a really young age trying mm. to provide for my little sister. Like, and when the parties were on, they'd grab my sister and drag her in my room. Like, I would not let any of these drunks around us, you know, while the parties yeah. were going on at home. You become and the protector. And I was become a protector at a very young age, and which was a blessing. When mm. I look at it now, it's like, man, I, I think I, it's it's a good thing, I guess. Like, not have like to grow up and have that that sort of thing and not um, to, to just uh, just worry about that. That was my that was my thing, was my little sister. I wanted to make sure she was right. Make sure we had, you know, and even mum, you know, make sure we had bread and milk and, you know, the and I yeah. think my uncles used to sort of look at me a bit, not in a, I'm proud of you, son, but uh, as I guess, I don't know, they, they it used well, to make me feel as, we, as a threat, yeah, kind of as a thing to like, you know, look at what's he doing, you know, these are, well, look at this little kid, what's he trying to prove here, you know, like, yeah. it's like, and, and I used to just say, you, you wait till I get bigger, <laughs> I used yeah. to tell them too, you know, so you boys wait till I get, and I'd see, you know, my auntie's getting flogged, and, yeah. and so it's kind of like that, once warriors sort of, mm. that's how, that's the, what we saw, you know, as kids growing up, and us, you know, so you see this alcohol, what it's doing to my family, and then, um, I remember we wanted to get away, we wanted to get away from the, from the alcohol, me and my sister, and, I remember, so where we lived, we lived right up in Catalina. So okay. Batemans Bay was Catalina, people know that. It's, it's sort of up near where the golf course was. We're right up the back. And the, the phone booth was right down where McDonald's is, where the footy field was. Yeah. And um, 
I remember I had, I had, um, and by this time, but so dad had gotten out now, dad's out, and I had dad's phone number. And um, I remember dad, and I'd, I'd gone down and I'd scratched his phone number into the phone box because I couldn't, yeah. so I could remember it. I scratched the phone number into the phone box, so I always had his number at that phone box. And I had my little like golf ball of money and I was just waiting, waiting, biding my time because we'd go holidays and that and go with dad and then come back. And then um, I used to like, I couldn't wait for to see dad, you know, like I just want to get away yeah, from the alcohol and I just want to be with dad. Yeah. And um, which was catch 22 because when you're with dad, it's like, mate, we're living, we're, it's a different life. It's, it's not alcohol, but it's a different side we saw yeah. as opposed to the, the gangster life and the, the, the fighting that there was a bit of you know there was some stuff going on there and that was um but i would rather me and myself would rather be with my father because we knew there was no drugs and we knew that you know there's always good food and you know like all that and, and but not not, not taken away from um my mum my mum was awesome mm. and um and then i remember one time we'd had um uh i just waited for the for them to be i'd waited for a night because the, there was like a bit of a thing where we, we were almost taken to go okay. through the system so it was like and then they said no all right there was a thing where they said all right no you're not allowed to drink anymore on the school nights and then um i was sweating and i knew i was waiting and i had a little bit of change in that and then bang the first night that they had um the first time when they oh not the first time but it's one of the main times when they were there was a party at home i ran jumped out my window got on my little pushy man i rode kilometers to this phone box and i called dad and i said dad please like ring the police tell yeah. them to come home because they're not allowed to drink yeah and then when i rode home and then by the time i got home and i beat i beat the police i beat the police home yeah i beat them home i got back through the window into my bedroom and then they had um had come and saw and then made made notes and, so, oh, would, and then i said this is we're going we're going to go with dad now yeah but it still took a little bit but um so you seen that as your opportunity to go we need to do something here or we're going to get caught yeah. in that system yep and that's and that's where it was like, we were already in that system. Yeah. But it was like, it was, we wanted to, we just wanted to go with dad, you know. You and know what I love he hearing, like hearing this, the thing that comes to the front of my mind every time, and, and we've spoken about it before, is when you're in that environment, you either are crippled by it and you become it because that feels like the only option or you find a way out and you find a way away from it. And I think to go through what you've gone through and to be exposed to that, but then to go, no, nah, you know, I'm going to be the man for my sister. Like, I'm going to be her protector. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be her provider. And to rise above it, like, I think that's so admirable. And I don't think you even appreciate how admirable that is and how much courage and, and how much hard work that takes from your own brother. So I think you should be really proud of that. <laughs> Thanks, but Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it is, it's like a, it is, it's sink or swim. Yeah. And it's sort of, and the, you know, the, and I'll be honest. The only things I ever ever had, the things that I've got sort of held on to, and the things that I looked forward to, were letters coming from prison. Mm. So when I used to get off the school bus, and you'd see our place at the top of the street, and you knew there was a party going on, oh, me and my sister would race. I don't know mm. if kids would think why they're running home. There's a big party there. We'd race the letterbox because we wanted to. We wanted to read uh, Dad's letter. Yeah. That's why we're running to our home was to get to these letters. And if they were there, they were there. If they weren't, then it was... That was a little bit of hope. Man, it was like, but we'll get letters. And that's when I remember one of the letters that said that I got. And there's, these are like hardened, proper criminals back in the, 
this is when so dad and that their their era was like the Nettie Smith days. I don't know if you know these fellas. Yeah. They're Nettie Smith. These were like the proper. They were, they were hardened. These were criminals that were back in the days. And they were, it's weird because they were a bit more. Not the criminals these days. They were bloody breaking the houses. These folks were <laughs> either bank robbers or what. You know they yeah. were. They were hardened boys. And and they had said, you know, hey son, like. And in a lot of the letters I'd get from Uncle Ray, Uncle Ray Johnson, he was another hardened fellow. And he said, you know, um, hey son, like. When I will make sure you know, I want you to be a leader. Don't be a follower. Don't end up here and here with us. You know, and I'd get all these positive things, that things that I, that I would sink and I would mm. swallow and hold and say, all right, when I get older, I'm not going to be like these fellas. And I tell my uncles and I say, you wait till I get older. I'm not going to be like you. So I'm not going to hit my partner like these folks here. They're bashamanis and mum got chucked around, not by dad, never by my father, yeah. but by you know by the uncles and that and. And stepdads and whatnot, that's you'd see that sort of stuff and there's nothing worse. You wake up in the morning and just, you know, you see just the place destroyed or you know, and these sorts of yeah. things and it's like I would swallow that and say, you know what, man, you were so this is like fire that I'd started to build. And mm. then this is more and then so I was like, All right, I wanna get and then I would write dad a letter. In my letters, my replies to my father I said, Dad, there's this little footy downtown. It's a steed remember the Steeden footies? Yeah. Little yellow steam footy in the window. I said, Dad, please, Dad, can you can you get me this footy? I really want this footy, please, because yeah. I want to play footy now. Um, and the, the, it never ended up coming. The yeah. ball never ended up coming. I ended up getting one a lot later, but it didn't end up coming when I wanted the ball. And um, and I'd said to Dad, you know, later on in life, it's like, man, I never ever... My footy was... a was a Moselle cask. That was my, we had a heap of them. Yeah. You know, the Moselle cask. That's what we used to kick around. And then um, I ended up getting, I ended up getting one footy, but then that ended up putting on the roof somewhere. So then, um, yeah, so I ended up with these things. And so I later on in life, same thing. I said, you know what, me and mum and my dad, I never got that footy as a kid and I couldn't be more grateful than to not receive that ball. Because if I received a footy back then, I would have been a different person. But I didn't get it, so I was like, you know what, I can't love you enough for not, for making me come out and, like, to arise as you're saying, like, you know, you it's like, all right, you're not going to give me the footy, all right? Who, no one's going to take me to training. Thank you, you know, like it was like this yeah. is a blessing. These are blessings in disguises that I've always been so grateful for to not have a footy, to grow up with, to grow up and see that side of the alcohol. I've got this, you've got that side there that's got all the alcohol and all the dramas and that. I'm so blessed for that. Thank you very much. This is why, as, you, as we know, bro, we've, you've never drank and that's what I love about yours, you know, yeah. and I've never tasted alcohol. And so, you know what, I have grown up there, so no, never had that, and then grow up in this gang life and it's like, oh, I don't want to be this and I don't want to be this. So my father, when, when, when he gets out of prison and I make mm. that phone call, we move to... Marrickville in and we live in this little probably it was a bra this room that we had had a double bed it was probably the same size as this mm. and that's when it's when the prisoners get out that's where they were going and live and like a halfway house it was a halfway house yeah, yeah. and there was a double bed and and we sleep on the floor bro you know how comfortable was it you know how comfortable that was yeah knowing that we're in a in a in in just these little walls here with my father it was like man we just want to hug you know like him so much and say dad thank you you know like and then um and then you cook out in the hallway. We would cook in the little fry pan. Yeah. Cook in the hallway. And then dad had said, you know, right, we're, we're getting away from the gang life and we're getting away from this. And then we moved to, that's how we ended up here in Wollongong. Because you moved to Thoreau, didn't yep, you? Yep, we moved to Thoreau, yep. When I was, and it was so funny because 
when we moved it through, I never heard somebody, I never heard kids say, oh, hi, Mr. and Mrs. This is Mr. and Mrs. Oliver. You know, and that was my, one of my good mates, you know, his mum and dad, Kim and Michelle, man. They were my first sort of mates I met there. And it's hearing these kids say, oh, that's his Mr. and Mrs. I was like, fuck, this is, this is weird. You know, like it was, fun, it was a bit oh, hard wow. for me because I'm, I'm used to the, this a bit more rough. Like, so then when we moved there, man, it was like, but who are these fellas coming yeah. in, you know? And dads, you know, his dads had tats all over him just out of prison. Like, yeah. he was pretty. And then we'd sort of gone, and then I'd started to work, and I started to meet kids and go down the beach and go surfing. Yeah. It was like, what? This is a different... A these different these kids aren't going to steal... Like, I never had to worry about my things. Bro, you must have felt like you were on holiday. It, it was weird. Like, I'm like, man, these kids, they're not, they're not stealing my things. Like, yeah. I can literally leave... Yeah. something here and you're not going to like steal it or it was it was a and it's like man but this is where I'm saying man I'm so grateful to have that and have that because mm. I know like to have this um, it's called yeah I guess streetwise you know grow up streetwise kids yeah. that grow up streetwise mate they're sitting on a gold mine because they understand now it's like bro you're going to understand more than a kid so a kid that hasn't grown up with that thing they're going to lose something bro. important that, it's almost <laughs> like it's a, it's a form of education because mm. when you come, there's a guy that I love, Gary Vee, who talks about this concept a lot. When you come from struggle, you build character and resilience that allows you to go through life and face challenges. Because inevitably, it doesn't matter who you are, you'll face some sort of struggle in your life. That's inevitable. Whether it be career, health, whether it be family, where you come from, what you're trying to achieve, you face struggle. It's a natural part of life if you have goals and you want to achieve something. When everything's been handed to you and the path has been paid for you and all you have to do is walk it, you get fucking blindsided when something mm. comes and, and provides struggle because you don't know how to deal with it. There's no sense of character or resilience there. It's your first exposure. You've been exposed from such a young age where for you these challenges become, okay, let's go. Yeah. Me and you, we're going to go toe to toe, we're going to dance and we're going to get through the other side of this. What I'm really interested to, to understand is for you moving to Thoreau and saying that for the first time you feel as though you have that security, this is so new, it's so refreshing, is it really hard to almost remove that, um, I guess, remove that hardness of your personality because you've been in survival mode for mm. so long where you've got to be the protector, you've got to be the provider, everything is a risk, everything is potentially looking to harm you, to take away from you, to challenge you. So to be in a situation where it's kind of like, well, I can just be a kid. Is that tough? You know, brother, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a blessing. Like, so all that, every single thing, right? Every single thing, it's like, and that's where it's come. It becomes a wall. So the dr the drugs, you know, that's one brick. The next, then every single thing, every single bit of adversity face, and it's like a brick to this wall, and this mm. wall builds up, and it's like. All right, but then what happens is I've noted then it comes up and it's like, all right, now I need to go. This is when I'd started putting, I'd, I'd started using this energy wrong and I started getting in a lot of trouble. So living in Thoreau, then I said, man, you learn this like such a great thing. But I don't realize how much fire I have in here from everything that I've seen as a kid. Mm. It's still there, but it's like, oh, I'm trying to, I've got a different, like, a, wow, man, this is cool. But I don't mean it's like, all right. So then I started, I started getting in a lot of trouble and then I started, yeah. I was fighting all the time. Like I was just, I was, I was fighting, I was fighting men that at, a, at an age of a child, like yeah. I was just, but it's, 
I think it was that, like I kicked out of school. I wasn't, I got kicked out of school in year eight, year eight or nine it was. Yeah. And that was because the old mate was someone was being racist to my sister. Anybody that would get any, I just, but it was, they don't understand that that's my protective. I've always been yeah. the protector of my sister. So of if course. anybody had said anything to her or anything, it's not like, oh, don't worry about it. I would just attack without question. So then I'd, I'd sort of, I'd, I'd had a fight with this guy and you know, I got kicked out of school and, um, so from year eight or nine it was, and then I get booted out of school, not allowed to go to, they pretty much wouldn't let me in any school around New South Wales. Like I had to go to oh, another, wow. yeah, because it wasn't, it wasn't a good result there. But um, then I ended up going from there to, um, to TAFE, and then I lasted buddy, two weeks in TAFE, and then I ended up bashing someone in TAFE, and then I'd gotten somebody that had um, indecently done something to a female, a young girl, and so it was, it's this protective thing that I... Yeah, it's, it's part just, of who you are. Yeah, and it's like, I, couldn't, I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't hold it back. So mm. I knew that something, that, that old mate did, did something to this, this girl. And so then old mate, yeah, he was, he was a lot older and he had done something indecent to this girl and there was a bit of thing there. So that did, I didn't last long in TAFE. It was yeah. two weeks and then I ended up catching old mate at the train station. Mm. Somehow the doors got locked at the train station and we were the only two in there. And then anyway, that ended up coming out and then I got in a lot of, bit of trouble for that. And then it sort of, it come out and then um, ended up, then and the biggest thing I think me and my little, um, as I said, I've spoken before openly about it and I was sort of, um, my, little, my, my little brother here at the time, he might have been two or something, Jack, and I think I was 16. And then um, we'd end up walking along and these blokes started passing a car and they're throwing a water bomb out the window hit him in the head. My old man's waiting across the road. And as I said, my old man, because he's from that, he's from that, that old life, school, man. you know, and he's like, get the fuck in the car. And so then we ended up bloody chasing after these people. And then it just, it was just a fight that went bad. Really? Um, it went bad and it's come back and bit me later on. And But at the same time, I think all these things that have happened, I think it have, everything happens for a reason. And um, yeah, so I ended up um, getting in, I ended up getting in a lot of trouble for that. Try to, they try, they'll look at it, trying to say, well, they're trying to do it for attempt. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty serious. And um, it ended up going from another court. And then was, um, the day I was going to get sentenced, my, um, I was sitting there and I'd come out of the, um, I was ready, I was ready to go. And I had Adidas trackies on, I had a Nike shirt, I had a shaved head. I really did not care. I knew I was going to jail. And then um, I'd come out and as I'd come out, dad had, seen me and I was dressed in like this so what let's go go to court and he just got bang. bang and then I was like I had a so I had a busted eye yeah and I was like busted actually busted eye busted nose and I was like on the ground like crying <laughs> I was like, what the heck he said get the there yeah, he said go in there and you put my suit on he gave me this old cardboard bloody suit right it did not fit it that was like it was down to here is this old cardboard suit. But the thing is, bar, yeah, lines. but it was his old suit, like his yeah. grey, looked like, honestly, but it was carpet. And then I'd gone to, I was the first kid there on the, the thing for my sentencing, I was the first kid there. It was 100 degrees, he wouldn't even let me, my dad wouldn't even let me take the jacket off, I was sweating, and I was like, sitting there like, you be respectful, like, um, that's, and that's where the, I was talking about the old school, yeah. you know, the old school mentality of like, and that's how it was, he said, mate, you're, you're going here, you need to, you need to dress, you dress properly. Yeah. You're going, you're going to go here, you're going to do this. And then we're going there and I sat and then, and then before I'd walked into the courthouse, there was another kid just about getting sentenced. Was that, so I went to, I had to go to Port Kembla Children's Court 
and this Judge McRoberts, bro, he was demon. He was like, any yeah. crew kids, bro, like, oh, I guess any kids mucking up, but yeah, gone. And you then, just um, felt you, you, you knew you were gone. If you had him, you were gone. And then I knew I knew I was gone. I, I I did the wrong thing. I beat up old, I beat up a couple of fellas here, and then old mate yeah. didn't end up so well. And then um, so then I go to this, go to the courthouse, and then. Um, yeah, my turn come. I was the last case to be heard. I think mine was the most severe out of all these kids. And the minute I open the door, go to walk in, there's a, another Indigenous fellow there screaming at the judge. And he's like, hey, you wipe this, you wipe that, how dare you sentence my son? And I was like, thank you, this is just my luck, you know, like, this yeah. is my luck. Like, old mate, the old father got removed from the courthouse. And then Michael Roberts, oh, his head was bright red he yeah, was, he's just enraged. he didn't even want to hear he didn't even want to hear my story he didn't want to see any of my references i had a lot of good references like character references i think we had a flood at the time in the rule that's when the big floods come through yeah. and even though i was a naughty kid so would, would this have been about 98 yeah when those floods were on yeah yeah so we had when those floods were on my oh, bro, I had to run down there and help shovel any of the neighbors heart like go and help any of the neighbors and that's my that's dad you know you get down there and you help all those even though i might have been a naughty kid I yeah. still had the, the same thing if I saw an old if I saw an old lady at the bottom of the stairs and she had a suitcase. If I didn't carry that suitcase up the top of that stairs, my old man, you know, dad yeah, would. Yeah, <laughs> and even though I'm a naughty kid, I'm like, no, please, can I? I have to carry the stuff, like, you yeah. know. So that's how it kind of was. But yes, yeah, so I had references from from that when those floods are on. So I'd run around, you know, to help all these. And I wasn't helping. Mm. I wasn't helping to get references. Like, no, that was my thing. Like I said, man, I'm I'm but, young. I can. But here's the thing, brother. You, and you say. You were a naughty kid, but you were a kid who, because of your circumstances and, and the human being you had to become, all of your energy went to being a protector and a provider for your sister. Now you're in a situation where when somebody disrespects that protection or someone breaches that barrier of what's, what's right as a human being, you react. And to be honest, I know, I know it's, it's the wrong thing to do because it gets you in trouble. But it's the natural instinct when that's the DNA that's been ingrained in you and created within you. So you're doing it out of the act of protecting, the act of decency. It's in the face of indecency. You know what I mean? Like you're, I guess you're the, you're being the hero of the situation, which doesn't end well for you because of the nature of those circumstances and times. But it's part of what's made you who you are. It's part of who you had to be. To survive. Yeah. So so what happens? So you get you actually get sentenced for two years, don't you? Yeah. So I got sentenced for two years, yeah, and then so then the the judge he didn't want to hear nothing, eh? He'd and literally I was in, I was locked up and then um then the the, my, the lady who I had representing us, man, she had chased old mate down the road and fought with him and fought with him and fought with him and said this is you can't, you know, the judge wanted nothing to do with it and just went back two years jail. And then mm. um, then I get locked up and then um, and then do the lady goes and she fights for me and it's like, man, you can't do this. And then I end up getting out and then, um, yeah, then the court case went on for a few years. And then, but after that moment, you know, like I'd, that was a very, very big change because 16, I was at the stage of making, I was in the, just about to get into the 20 squad for the Dragons. And yeah. um, so I was Harold, um, Jersey flag then. I think I was just coming into it and then they had gone to court for a sort of, Helped me with a um, helped me with letters, and then I ended up fighting it a bit more, and then it come out. I ended up doing community service and whatnot, yeah. and then I ended up doing a few other things. And um, but you know, I ended up I didn't end up I got off everything, but I ended up I paid I paid I still yeah. paid, and um, 
yeah, so it's sort of gone from there and then I'd started to realize, all right, I need to, I guess, but in sorry, in between there, 16 and the 20s, I'd had, um, I'd come in and I'd had, um, I think it was um, Craig Young. Craig Young was our coach. Yeah, wow. And Youngie was the best. Hey? He was he was awesome. And he was really good for me because back in the day, Youngie was, uh, used to work in the um, hold-up squad. So he knew. He was a detective, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, so he knew he knew Dad and my uncles. And I'd be like, oh, man, you know, like, here I am trying to make this team. And I'm like, I need to try and, I need to show him that I'm not this. Not like that. I'm not about I'm that not, life. Yeah, I'm not about, I'm not a new, you know, I want to be. And so Youngie was, he was a legend. He looked at, he helped us a bit. And, um. It's good because I had a few hookers in front of me and I said, all right, so I need to use all this energy. And as we're talking about all this, all right, how can I use this to make some sort of gold? Like, how can I use this? Because mm. I can't keep fighting because I'm going to keep, I'm going to get locked up. I'm about to get done big time. Yeah. I'm just, a, I'm on the verge of getting, um, I'm, I'm on the verge of getting going, getting put away and they'll, for a while, for a long time. And um, so I'd started to, and having these other hookers in front of me was the best thing for me. I needed, and they said, first of all, I was a, um, that's how I become playing hooker. So they said, um, you're, you, I was a winger slash fullback, yeah. anything but, they said, right, you're too small, you're not gonna make it. <sighs> Thank you so much, Thank you. how do yeah. I, can I hug you? Another chip you know, on my shoulder, you. Can I hug you, because you've just told me I won't make it. And then I said, all right, they're gonna put you at hooker? You, you can play hooker. I don't know whether it was, you're gonna play hooker because they wanna watch me get run over, yeah. And I was like, where's the weights room? <laughs> yeah. So then I'd started lifting weights a lot more and then getting bigger and then getting stronger. Yeah. And then I said, all right, well. And if anyone's I'm watching gonna... this, this place got pythons on in there. <laughs> nah. So, the <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to be. So now my, my, that's when my favorite number become 14. This is your number yeah. 14. You're going to be, you're on the bench. So, all right, well, if I'm going to be a bench player, I'm going to be the best bench player possible. Yeah. I'm going to make this bench player, I'm going to make it a position. I'm mm. going to make it so these guys, can, can't, they can't refuse me. So mm. then I ended up coming off the bench and playing hooker. And then I ended up scoring a, a fair few tries and I started making a lot of line breaks. And I ended up, and this is how it ended up going. And then um, I guess with all this too, with all this, I guess back from when I was a young kid, sitting under a bridge, sitting with all my cousins while they were all smoking. And I remember... Um, I, and I remember telling my grandmother way back then, I said, Bumble, I'm going to play for Fiji one day. And that's when she'd laugh, she'd laughed at me because I didn't realize, but back then, Fiji, rugby league in Fiji didn't even exist. If you played rugby league in Fiji, you were an outcast. Yeah, you weren't allowed it's to play. a big rugby country, isn't it? Yeah, so the, that's it, the, the rug, rugby is the chief sport. Yeah. So if you decided you want to play league, you, weren't, um, you couldn't play any sport pretty much. If you're going to yeah. make your alliance to that, then that's it. Yeah. So that's why I don't know if my grandmother laughed at me then, but even then laughing at me, I was like, thank you, Nan. You know, like you wait. Um, and that's when, so coming into these things, and I knew that I had my eyes set on playing for Fiji. That's yeah. all I wanted to do. I wanted to play for Fiji for my grandmother because I knew that, um, so when, when I wasn't with dad and wasn't with my mum, was with my grandmother. And me and my sister with my grandmother, that was our safe haven. So we Ooh. felt we could sleep. We need yeah. good food, and I said, "Nanny, I'm gonna, I want, I'm gonna, I'm gonna represent Fiji." And she still laughed and said, "You're Australian, you know. I hadn't even been to Fiji then. You're Australian. You you go to you be Australian." I said, "No." I said, "I'm Fijian," yeah. you know, because this my father's right. Fijian. Yeah. I said, "I'm Fijian," you know. And yeah. I remember arguing with her when I was a little kid, and I think she used to love stirring up because she used to love how much of a, 
young boy, the man, I'd be like, fire in that belly, yeah, yeah, so you, I'm, you actually, I'm going to play for Fiji. Anyway, then it sort of, so that's when the, it come about and I just kept, the more I trained and the harder I'd work at it, and then that's when I'd, um, I'd gone from the Dragons and then I'd travelled to the UK and um, with the Indigenous team. And I was over there with an Indigenous team and I played um, eight games in, in all around the UK. And um, within the eight, I got men of the match in six of them. Yeah, well, and then I was set to stay there. I was going to stay there and um, sign with, um, so the Wigan, or I think it was Wigan, Wigan at the time, I was looking to stay there and sign with them. And then um, I hadn't played any NRL games because I was only in the 20s. Yep. So they sent me back. They said, oh, you because of the quota system and whatnot. Okay. And I didn't have a Fijian passport. So the only way I could have stayed is if I had a Fijian passport or yep. I'd played enough NRL games. So I played none, so I'd come back to no club. And um, that's when I joined um, the Rabbitohs. And I went to the Rabbitohs, and then when I remember when I was signing there, and then the coach said, oh, yeah, mate, you can, you can sign here. He said, but you won't play first grade. Just telling you. I like, can I hug you right now? And I want to shake his hand. I've heard the story said, yeah. before. I was like, thank you very much. <laughs> so yeah. you don't know the mountains I've climbed. I said, yeah. but these, you don't, man, this, all these things that I've faced as a young kid and all the adversity and the, the alcohol, the demons that were there were all blessings, you know, in disguise. And it's like, yeah, that's that, built yeah. this case. So you, you're going to tell me you can't, I'm not going to, but you, that is like, I don't know how to thank you, you know. It's for you, that's been the consistent theme. Exactly. Every yeah. time someone tells you you can't <laughs> do something, every time life puts a challenge in front of you, you bring out the best in yourself. Yeah. So amen to that, brother. I love that. It's like, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it's like, all right, bro. So we'll see. And then South Sydney had lost. And then I had, and then our reserve, I was just playing reserve grade, coming off the bench. And I said, I want to come off the bench. Mm. Let me come off the bench because I'm going to do a lot of damage for your team off the bench. And um, I just had one goal and that was to break the line. So my, my, my mental state was to break the line. I didn't care what team we were playing. I wanted to break the line just once. I just yeah. wanted to break it. And I kept breaking it and breaking it and breaking it. And to me, that was the wall that the first grade coach had put in front of me. And he said, right, he's given me a wall. And I said, if I chip enough bricks away, I'm going to break down his wall. And mm. so every line break I made, I knew I was getting closer. So the Rabbitohs back then, it was 2003. It was 2003, yeah. 2003, it was 2003 or four. But they'd lost 17, they'd lost 16 games straight in a row. Yeah, it's a rough season. And I kept breaking, I knew it. I, was, I kept breaking my bricks. And then, um, and then we played West Tigers. And then the coach had no choice. You gotta play, they give me a start. They give me a go at first grade. You're gonna play NRL. And um, when I made my, and when they said you made your NRL, you're making your NRL debut on the weekend, I didn't ring nobody. I didn't ring mum, I didn't ring dad and say, oh, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm playing first grade. It's like, the, I didn't ring no one. I said, you know what? I want them to, I want them, I want other people to tell them about what had happened on the weekend. I didn't yeah. want, I, I wanted other people to ring them and say, hey, you know, your son made his debut on the weekend. And that's, but they, they were, I think they were already watching, you know, at the time. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't say nothing. I went, I played first grade and they won. We won that night. We beat West Tigers by two How points. How good does that feel? And, it's, and, you know, and, it's, and I look at things and it's like, it's like the whole, you know, I didn't, I didn't score the win and try. I, made, I did what I had to do, but it was the whole thing of coming from there to, to just keep chipping away, not giving up, not giving up, and then to breaking that line. And then I ended up going from there to the, to the Eels and then from the Eels to, to end up playing... Um, 
for Fiji. And then when I represented, when I went on and played for Fiji, now my grandmother, and she's she's the best. She's so funny. Her, when she, if she was to take you, bro, I would, if she was to take you, she'll walk you through her house. And there's one, there's a big hallway. The lounge room's right there, but she will take you the long way past all her jerseys that I've got. She's got, I got framed yeah. on the wall because she'll want you to yeah, look at, and she'll literally all. walk all her friends around to come in and, you know, and for me, that's, that's like, I can't, that was, you know, every single, every bit of sweat and everything, it's sort of, that's kind of was worth it, you know, that she makes that, that's. You know what, brother? Mm. One thing for me that's been, a consistent theme in my life the last two three years is this idea of purpose fuels progress when you've got something right. to work towards yeah. you'll be surprised what you can overcome and i think for you to have that purpose of i'm going to represent fiji for my family i'm going to show what's possible from where i've come from the opportunities that weren't handed to me i worked for and I'm going to get there and I'm going to have that moment where I put on that Fijian jersey and I represent that country and I represent my people. And I think for you to have that purpose is what's made you the human being that you are because you are so positive, uplifting. You're the sort of person that people want to be around. And when you leave a room or a conversation with you, you go, what can I do now? Where, where can I level up? Where can I... <laughs> Go push myself to be a better version of myself. Because it is truly inspiring. I'm not saying that because you're in front of me. I've been saying all week to, to friends and family that you were coming on the show and I was saying, I love chatting to this guy because I leave the conversation with a fire in my belly. And I think your story is it's so powerful because of that. And you found purpose, you attach yourself to it and progress followed. And but it's, it's so nice to hear that you made it there. And you didn't just make it there to play for Fiji. Play the World Cup. <laughs> You're a World Cup player. That's the biggest stage. Yeah, it was. Um, it's crazy, eh, bro. Like even, but even even then, you know, like and as I've always said, bro. Like when when I first met you, bro. As I said, man, it's like I'm. I was. I'll say it, and I'll say it a hundred times over, bro. I'm a spoiled brat because I was blessed with an able body and every part that functions, and I've been given. I was given this much. I was given ten percent talent, but the ninety percent would become from all the all my uncles and my mom and my dad and you know my family. Mm. They've given me that ninety percent of fuel to create this thing. But to have this, but I feel like a freaking sport, Brad. As I said, bro, because I don't have what what you go through, bro. You know, like that. Mm. That there to me, that's bro. Forget about me, man. I'm here. I want to interview you, bro. You know, that's you're, you're that's, too kind. But you know, honestly, bro, and that's the thing. And as I said, my best mate, and this is when, when I first sort of really wanted to reach out, bro, is that my best mate, his little boy is born with CF. And that's, as I said, my story, bro, that's, bro, that's, I'm, I've got an able body, so I could do that. I, yeah. I was just, I was blessed that have I was given uncles that went like this, you know, and I was given people that, that kept pushed, that kept poking it and going, fail, right fail, right. fail, fail. And that's what made me go about. It's like, when you sort of, grow up bro and you don't from the start bro you didn't you didn't it wasn't your choice you know like you didn't have yeah. that but your choices that you make now inspire me to go holy shit bro I, as i said bro i should be i want to be interviewing you going cuz tell yeah. me more what like your thing about what you've done you don't only inspire me but people that have able bodies need to man to realize that you do have an able body and say fuck i can actually make something with this able body and they don't have a thing they don't have 
excuses, you know, like... Yeah, it's, it's far too kind of you to say, brother, but, but like <laughs> I said to you, and that means the world to me to hear that, but, man, we all have our own challenges, and, and that's what really, I guess, what I want to drill from today to the people listening, to the people watching, is you're going to have your challenges in life. That's inevitable. You cannot escape it. it it's part of being a human being. It's part of being a human being in today's society where challenges come from. Like, I, I sit, man, I... I've had a couple of my mates say to me, like, far out, man, how do you continue to bounce back from a lung bleed and go, I'm going to run a marathon in two weeks? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but for me, I look and I go, man, Jim, like, I come from the easiest upbringing. Where just, like, food was always on the table. Like, that I didn't have to deal with the alcoholic stuff and the drinking. I didn't have, like, I didn't have to, like, receive a letter from my dad in prison. I didn't have that. And I look at you and I go, far out, the, the man that you've become in spite of it all and the way that you've, like, that's so inspiring to me. So we, I guess the message that I want to get across is we all have our challenges. And I think what makes us great, well, I think what makes a great human being is the empathy to recognise someone else's strength for getting through theirs. Yeah, 100%. Bro. The strength it requires to get through your challenge and make the most of life is, is unbelievable, man. And sitting here talking to you about it all and, and seeing the person that you've become. And, I, and I honestly, man, I'm not saying this because you're sitting in front of me. You're a genuinely great human being. I, I reckon you would struggle to find a single person who knows you here or comes across you that can't say good words about you. Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, bro. That's sort of, it's, oh, man, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it, like even 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 now when I look at things and one thing I do have to mention, Amen. My my mum, like as I said, like I've an I've an able body like that's that can do these things. Mum mum her mum struggled with alcohol right up until my little my nephew, Andrew. Mm. He little Andrew, he was he was born what is Andrew now? He's probably he's getting he's Fourteen, I think now the big shot he is. He's oh, about yeah. fourteen, but when so it's been about man, fourteen or fifteen years now. My mum and this I've always said this. Say hey, people and I've had people people say, oh man, um, I used to, I did I used to do um, I I was blessed enough to go and do talks in um, like the Silverwater Prison and Parkley yeah, wow. and all the jail. I used to go in the jails and talk in, and do some talks in the jails about just about how I grew up and stuff. And it used to blow me because when I used to start talking about if we're in if I'm in the prisons and I'm talking to the boys about dad and about my uncles all the old fellas they're all like oh but you tell your old man to ring you know and i used to get all these yeah. things and it was it was mad doing those things to go in and talk to i guess some of the inmates and and the more you know doing doing that sort of stuff i learned learn a lot about myself and that too you know you do you learn about yeah, for you, sure. you learn these things and it's like wow you know like it's so true about um sorry i'm seeing where i was going with this with um with mum um yeah, so mum, mum, her, she's gone. She, the demons, she was fighting other demons, and I guess that's being, being indigenous and with the alcohol and that's it's a big part of our culture. You know what I mean? And, and it's sad. It's so yeah, it sad. Is. But mum, mum, man, she she had fought a demon, a harder demon that I'd ever um, that I could ever imagine, and that's been addicted to something alcohol. You know, like that. That there mm. is. And she overcome that when my little nephew was born. And my mum now, bro, my mum is, and this is what I've always said, and this is what I'm sorry, bro, that's where I was going with it. And the, in, and the inmates, and they say, bro, you know, like, don't you hate, like, you know, because a lot of them say, oh, I'm in here, and they start blaming mum, start blaming dad, and start blaming this, and start blaming that. I'm like, 
because you've got an able body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't talk to me. This, this, yeah. this is my brother here. Like, this is where it's like, that's where for me, I'm like, no, no, don't even talk. Shut up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this is, it's this. And so when people say to me, and I say, you know what, my biggest role models in my life are my mum and my dad. Yeah. And that's hands down. And that's, I couldn't have found a better drinker and I couldn't have found a better gangster, criminal, whatever you want to call it. You know, whatever, whatever the things we've faced, they were the best at it. So mm. I couldn't have found better role models in that sense. And I say, and I've always said to mum, mum, I wouldn't have made it as far as I did if I didn't have somebody like you. And if I didn't have my dad. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have made it. I would have been mm. a spoiled brat sitting there thinking, I've got an able body. Mate, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wouldn't have got as far because I wouldn't have had the drive. I would have had a little bit of talent, but I wouldn't have had the drive. 10% talent, 90% drive. I would have had 10% talent, but nothing drive. You know? that, yeah. I would have, yeah, it was been like, bro, like I would have had nothing. And... So mum to go on and fight, and my mum now, she's been sober 15 years, but I'm pretty sure, I think it'd be I 15 years, and you know what, and mum works in the community now, she's been out in the indigenous community, um, and she does a lot with all the elders and that. Where is and she now? In Dapto, she's around Dapto. I reckon she would know my nan and pop for sure. I'm 100% bar, she, she would. Does she ever connect with, so for I guess a little bit of context for everyone listening or watching, probably five years ago. We always had the suspicion that there was Indigenous heritage within our family, but none For the Pop, listeners, have you seen his dad? Yeah, yeah you've seen his dad. I was like, where I know the first time yeah. dad, you I was like, fine, yeah. Well, my, my Nan and Pop, we armed him with an iPad probably five, six years ago, and Nan oh, started no. to research, like, as they do, yeah. they research family history, heritage. And we started to find all these things and, and started to trace it back. And then they got in contact with the land council locally and they started connecting all these dots. And so Pop was recognised by the land council probably three years ago, maybe now, three years ago. Yeah. And Pop sits in on all the meetings. They go to Honey Jeans, yep. like all, all the programs, and they go and just hang out and have picnics. And they've done all these amazing things with the older sort of Indigenous community or the elders and... Everyone calls them Uncle John and Auntie Jean, yeah. and they've got this beautiful community of people there. And I reckon they would know your mum for sure. Oh, 100%, bro. Because they, they love it, yeah. man. It's, it's given them such a new lease on life to have. It's, it's almost like that social connection. And yeah. for them to get, to get to learn about our heritage, our history, which is a part of... Um, so Pop's mother is where the connection comes from. And she grew up here, so we're being recognised as Darrell people. Yep. And then she went up north. She went up to sort of like North Queensland way, spent a few years up there. And then my pop's father, he come over from Scotland. He was just a, a Scottish pub ruler. Yeah. Like just a real <laughs> yeah. hard man. And so that's sort of what is what makes up our history. And I reckon they'll know your mum for sure. Oh, 100%, bro, yeah. But it's, yeah, that's one thing for me. Mm. I'm like, I love how connected you are to your culture, both Aboriginal and Fijian. And it's something I want to learn more about. Like I've spoken to my grandparents about it and our culture, our DNA is what makes us who we are. Yeah. It's part of us. And for me, I want to learn so much more about it. I was, I was so ignorant to culture for so long because I grew up in this bubble, man. Like I grew up in Wollongong in the same town. I didn't understand the culture. I really didn't have a lot of friends around me who were connected to Indigenous culture. So I didn't really understand mm -hmm. like... Um, the connection to the land, the way that we've lived for so long. It's not really taught that much in school. Yeah. And I was just ignorant to the understanding of it. Because unless you're educated, you don't understand. <laughs> and this is something, man, that like, you know, recently, 
Gen 26, yeah. a day that, for me, I never really understood until a few years ago. I started to read more, started to educate myself, understand a little bit more. This year, I, I wrote a little piece on what that day means and why I believe we should celebrate it on another day. And because it's something that, as a country, man, even if you aren't Indigenous, it's yeah. a part of the history That's of this That's their land. history, right? 100%. It's a part of all of us, man, because <laughs> yeah. we're connected to this country. Like we get, I wrote about it on that day. I woke up on that morning, on Wednesday morning, I run every Wednesday. And me and my mate, we ran along the beach. We ran through beautiful sunny sky, glistening ocean, just this beautiful country that we get yeah. to live in, right? Yep. And I got there and I sat at home while I was having my brekkie and I thought, I hate that today isn't a day of celebration for everyone. I hate that today is a day where I want us to all as a country, mm. not on this date, but on another day, be able to celebrate what we get to live in together. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to learn more about it. I want to understand more of it because it's part of what makes us who we are. Yeah. It really is. And, and I think one of the things that I was like, I love the post that you put up. We spoke about like brick by brick, oh, yeah. understanding and educating. And yeah. I think, man, the, the hard thing is it's, for a lot of people, they're just not educated on it. And I wrote a post the other day, which was kind of like a little bit of thought and feeling off the back of that day where I was like, man, it's easy to weaponize our wisdom and shoot other people down for their lack of understanding yeah, or knowledge. 100%, the, yeah. way, the way that we grow and the way that we get better is that empathy of going, no, they just don't understand at the moment. That's right. Let's have a chat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not me block you out because then yeah. you, get it, like, you get even more ignorant to it then because you're angry, you're frustrated. Yeah. Um, and I think, man, that's what I love about you. You're doing such an amazing job of connecting people to our culture, building respect, building understanding, educating people on where you come from. And yeah. it forms such a big part of your life. Like, you love being out in nature. You're such an active <laughs> Yeah. It's awesome it to was, see. It's like, you know, like, even not that long ago, I had a bit of a, there was a bit of a racial incident at work. Mm. And there was one young fellow there. And before I went there, they said, oh, this lad is, is racist. Mm. And um, I said, oh, that's mad. I said, can, can, I, work, can I work with him? Yeah. Because he thinks, you know, he had an understanding of um, Indigenous people don't work hard. We I said, can. oh, cuz, <laughs> come work with me. <laughs> like, yeah. I said, We're gonna, we don't, don't bring your lunch. <laughs> I said, you won't need your lunch. But anyway, <coughs> I was trying to get a... And then one day I got to go and work with him. And I, mm. and I didn't, you know, when I was told these things about his... this, I said, that's fine, man. I, everybody, you know, I don't know what this brother's story is. Maybe mm. he was bullied. Maybe maybe he's had a bad altercation with an indigenous person that's turned him off it. Yeah. And I can understand that. That's fine, you know? Like, maybe it doesn't matter. Somebody like, um, you could have, a, I don't know, there's things out there that trigger. There's triggers. And it could have been, something could have been a trigger. And I just wanted to work with this guy because I wanted to show him that, hey, you know, like, mm. indigenous people work hard and, and we're not all the same. And so I got to work with all my and something he sort of said something racist. He said a racist remark about another um, indigenous worker, and he and he's, he didn't know I was indigenous. Mm. He said and uh, and I said oh I said oh I said oh man I'm kind of glad you brought that up in front of all the boys and I said oh, we're gonna stop now. And I said it's not. I said now if this was me a few years ago, so if you <laughs> go back to the start of this tape, if he was indigenous, if he was being racist, it would have taken me no less than than a second. And I would yeah. have been, I would have, I would have destroyed this poor guy. Yeah. But only because I had no thing of it. I was just like, that was my thing of just, oh, it's, we'll talk later. Yeah. But for now, let's, 
let's have a crack. <laughs> you yeah. know, that was my, but now it's like, bro, that's fine, man. Like, hey, like, man, I, I'm glad you kind of brought it up. You know, like I didn't think it was true. And I said, but that's fine, man. I said, and, and we had the conversation. I said, like, what do you know? You know, have you had a bad experience? Like, talk to me about it, man. Like, I want to, you know, I want to yeah. be, I want to be a friend. I want to generally be a friend about this situation, you know, like, I just want you to see, you know, and we had a conversation and had some, um, and he sort of shared a few things, but I think because I put him on the spot in front of boys, I didn't do it in a way to to belittle him. Yeah. I just said, bro, this isn't just for you, man. And I said, you know, this is for these other people here too, because there was other, all they were all white. There was yeah. only other one, only one other dark fella, there was that other crew fella there, but he was fair. And he's a good, good kid too. And he was, he said, no, nah, bro, I'm on, you know, like, he backed me. And which I didn't really care if he didn't, but he backed me. I said, bro, like, this is not just for you, bro. This is for all you boys. Like, I just want you to understand and we end, end up having that conversation. So, outcome was, you know, like, it was, I think he'd, we'd still message, you know, now and he'd be starting to, but it's good because it, it didn't have to come to anybody. Yeah. It was just the same thing, right? You know, just education. I said, and that's what it's about. It's just about education. change some person's 100%, bro. Or, or opinion. And, <laughs> yeah. and, man, that's the thing that I love about what you're doing. And so, credit to you for that because I think that's really admirable. I want to sort of talk about, you know, being, being Indigenous and even being from, from Fiji too, having that connection to that country. The, the Indigenous people and the Fijian people live very active lives. They're in the water. Yeah. They understand the land. Man, you're huge on that. You love to get amongst it. You love to be in the water. Talk to me about where your passion for adventure began. My, honestly, my passion for adventure, for uh, this adventure life and that, come from my, um, probably my previous breakup. That's where it comes. Like, it, well, I've always had it as a kid. So as a young kid, dad had me in the water diving. Okay. He, dad had me diving from a very young age. And then if not, because we come from, um, dad come from farming. So we we're always out on horses and yeah. we're riding horses, chasing cattle. If not there in the, in the ocean, hunting fish, hunting and gathering. That was my thing. Yeah. Just how it made me feel coming home and bringing, bringing a feed home to, or, or now, you know, if I ring up, if I go out and hunt, before I even get home, if I posted a story, mum and sis are at home yeah. <laughs> wait, hey. waiting for craze. Where's the goods? And 100% or I'm ringing them saying, oh, you meet me here. And yeah, it sort of come from, it just come, you know, so I've always had it there, but I didn't do it as much, I think, because I was doing, focused a lot more on my PT side of things and working. And then when I had that breakup, I could actually see colour. Like, it was weird. Yeah. But it was like, um, it was a pretty big breakup and I was like, um, it's kind of like, same thing, sink or swim, what am I gonna do here? You know, my, <laughs> my partner's just run off with her workmate. It was like, yeah. all right, may God bless you both. <laughs> now yeah. I need to find, so that's when I had started to getting back out. And then the more I got back out in the, in the bush and getting back out to where, what I'm used to doing, yeah. it made me see more color, see the greens and the shades and the, and the blue and the different things. And it's like, all right, now let's go find waterfalls. And the yeah, minute she broke up, I was like, bro, I'm going to buy a drone. <laughs> so I went and got my drone back. So I went and got another drone. Um, when, when that relationship was like, all right, I'm going to make myself feel better. So some yeah. therapy, I went and got my drone and then got back out and started finding different waterfalls. And it did, bro. And it's so crazy. But that's what I realized at the bottom of those waterfalls are those endorphins, those natural endorphins that you don't get from No drug could ever give you. And no. sitting at the bottom of a waterfall while that energy comes down and finds them and just sitting and just yeah. just sitting there with some of your mates, some of your friends that are that have had the same sort of things or taking somebody that's had a breakup, 
just sitting there feeling that bright, it's like, it empowers you and it gives you that. Right. You know, you know what really <laughs> hits me with that? I've been, I've been talking to a lot of mates about it recently. Like a lot of my job, I'm really grateful for technology because to do this, like to sit here and share a conversation, <laughs> share that with the world, that's only possible because of technology. But tech continues to get more advanced and more advanced. And as I immerse more in it for work, I understand the importance of being able to remove myself from it and be invested in the real world. Invested yeah. in real experience, connecting with nature, connecting with people face to face, where the phone's not on, I'm yeah. not checking Instagram, I'm not checking messages. No service. <laughs> yeah, bro, like, like that. There's something yeah. to be said for that. And we're going through a period of time now which is scary because all this talk about the metaverse, bro, it freaks me out. The fact that people could be more invested in putting on a pair of goggles and living in a virtual reality world yeah. than they are in the, own, in the world they're actually <laughs> living in, in the world that they exist in. People are going to try to detach more from that, which yeah. makes me want to attach more to real life. life to, <laughs> and so we spoke about it a little bit last year, man. I'm keen to jump in on one of these adventures with you and, and get out into nature a little bit more because I think it's so powerful. It's, it's grounding. It reminds you of who you yeah. are, where we come from. And as I start to invest more in the understanding of the most natural ways to live, getting the most out of my health, getting the most out of my, my headspace, really it all connects back to living simply, yeah. exercising, being active, being out in the fresh air, watching the sunrise, watching the sunset, being yeah. in the ocean, which is a part of being a coast boy, you know, yeah. living on the coast. I can't, I can't go more than a day not being in the sea. Yes. Like I don't think I could live away from it. And, yeah, bro, I'm, I'm keen to immerse myself into some adventure with you. Oh, 100%, bro. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about your best adventure so far. Has it been one that stood out for you? Yeah, so probably my best adventure so far, I, um, I bought, a, bought a ticket and went to the Philippines. I've seen photos. Yeah. That looked amazing. I didn't even, with no, no map. Yeah. I literally rocked up at, I just went, I, I drew a bit of a map underground as, um, as I work in the mines. Yeah. So I've drawn, drew a bit of a map underground and I kind of knew where a few things were mm. and I found the rest literally just went there found little I got it literally went to got on fishing boats and went from island and just said where, where's your boat going I didn't care where they were going yeah, I literally amazing. just went and rocked up in an island and then what I got to an island in the Philippines but what date like what year um geez it was not um this was only a couple of years ago it was let me tell you would have been before the last two years hey Oh yeah, just so it was before, yeah, before COVID and all that stuff. But it was, to the exact, oh yeah, 3rd of October, 2018. That's just one of the days I was there, yeah, and literally went and found all these cheap places and found all these things and then um, just went, that was probably, that was probably my ultimate, and just, and the same thing, but by myself and no, no handbrakes, (laughs) nothing because I wanted to, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to go explore it, film it as best I could, yeah. try and create a bit of a story and create a story to try and inspire somebody else. Same thing. Just use this right. social media just to say, and found these places, did little stories. Man, this joint was 20 bucks. That place is 20 bucks. This place is 40 bucks. Let's go. And then, um, yeah, so then, then with people message us and then I'll literally, now I can show them my map. Of where I went, mm. how I got there, and what I did. And I love that, man. Yeah, so that was kind of. I guess that's where I wanted to use. And same thing, bro. Like that's why I love what you do. Like you use social media, you know, to get out and um, to water all these seeds, you know, that have been planted. And it's um, yeah. it's just a matter of, well, you know, of people tagging other people that 
could help, you know, bro. You've, as I said, man, I've always loved what you do, and this this thing here's like what you do, bro. It's huge. I appreciate it. And, and that's what I'm saying, bro. You're leaving massive footprints. You left footprints on me already, like even from Likewise. the start. And that's where it's kind of even, you know, as I said, we might only get one person. We might only right. we might get two people, and that's and as long as you know we've done, they've gone on and they've helped somebody or they've shared something that about you've got somebody that's got an able body that have different things or you've got somebody that did that's struggling with that side of it with the internal side of it mm. and you've gone you know what i've got no excuse and then i'm saying oh, i've got no excuse and it's like you put it together and it's like man surely you know there's somebody out there connect that connects yeah bro and that's that's why i love what you do my man <laughs> i appreciate it my man there's a, a quote that i love i'm sure the people listening to this will have heard it a million times because i say it a lot it's a mother Teresa quote we don't all have the power to change the world, but we all have the power to change the world of one person. Yeah. And that, man, that's a domino effect. You positively affect one person, they share that message with another, and all of a sudden, you know, you've connected to a greater community, <laughs> and that's what this is all about. Conversation's powerful, and, yep. man, the conversation we've had here today is really powerful. I want to finish it off with two things. Yep. <laughs> uh, two consistent questions I've been asking my guests over the course of the last few weeks now, and your episode 103. Um, guest episode 103 so there's been a few before you who have answered questions similar to these but the first one is what's your biggest fear in life right now losing my father losing mum and dad losing family and my and my my french bulldog (laughs) honestly but losing 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 family i don't care about nothing else you know i'm not scared of nothing i'm not nothing really fears this i'm not but losing family about that man every time i think about losing my partner losing my yeah just losing loved ones yeah, bro, that, that will make us who we are. I'm the same. Yeah. Man. I'm the same. I'm so I care about nothing else. Burn yeah. my car. Take my house. Yeah. Keep my jet ski. They're the They're the exactly, bro. If you've got that, but my family, you've got yeah. everything. Yeah, mum and dad everything. and sister and family. Yeah. I love that, Losing man. family. I love that. I, I connect with that. The second I want to ask you, final question, is less of a question. It's more of a, a challenge, I guess. I want you to set yourself a challenge here that you can be accountable, that you can look back to in years to come and go, did I stay on track with that? Did I achieve that? Or do I need to re- refine that path? So is there a challenge you'd like to set yourself? It can be something simple. It can be like a daily yep. to-do task. It can be something you want to do in a couple of years' time. Something that comes to the top of your head. Okay, this is pretty easy. And if you're a Fijian, you're going to know this, but we are late to everything. <laughs> so there's something I want to get better at, and that's not being late. Right. So oh. that's probably that's Fiji. You hear Fiji time? I'm gonna take it, bro. I would love to take you to your family to Fiji, and you're gonna see Fiji time. Boat trips, bro. 100. Yeah. We are Island late time, for yeah. everything island time. So one thing that we need to be accountable for. So we Fijians out there, <laughs> Fijians listening, we need to be better at time. But I think that's probably one thing. But I guess there's one thing I probably really want to be accountable for. I guess, and that's something I've got to stop making excuses for. And that's to learn how to freaking use a computer. Yeah. And at this time, you know, being injured, man, at the moment, I'm like, I really want to learn how to use a computer and I've just been putting it off. So that's probably, you know, that's to be accountable, I guess. But the whole time thing too, that's... Mm. Right, I connect with the time thing because I'm, the, <laughs> I, I'm writing my book at the moment, right? And one of the first things I say in the book is I come into this life two weeks early and I've been late ever since. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm a stickler for being five or ten minutes late yeah. and I've got to get better at it. Hey, just poor time management, especially yeah. like... In the morning, I'm an early riser. I get up at 4.30 to 4.45. Sick. Six to seven days a week. Nice. 
But let me tell you, man, when I'm sitting there listening to a podcast and listening to an audio book and I'm kind of just stretching around and then I'm like, oh shit, it's 5.55 and I've got to see the boys in five minutes to run. And then I'm taking it down to the car, trying to get down to the beach and I'm like, I should have just left five minutes earlier. Yeah, yeah. So I get you, bro. I get you. Hey, I want to say thank you so much for being here. Honestly, you are, you are an inspiration. Your story <coughs> is incredibly powerful. I know it's going to connect with so many people, even if they haven't been through those challenges. They've been through challenges and struggle in life and they'll connect with your strength and your perseverance. Attach yourself to a purpose. I guarantee you, you'll fuel your progress. It's been a pleasure to have you here. I'm going to make sure that all of your socials, every way that people can connect with you is in the show description and the notes. So everyone, please go ahead and check out Jimmy's stuff. His, his travel stuff's incredible. You'll love his Insta page. It's very aesthetically pleasing. And just reach out to this guy. Let him know how much today's episode meant to you. Share it around with your loved ones and you know, helps this show grow if you can subscribe and follow and do all that amazing stuff on your podcast platform of choice. Brother, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, bro. It means the world to me. Thank you so much.